Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Private Practice Success Stories. Um, In a few moments, you're going to hear my interview with Lakeisha Fields, who is a speech-language pathologist in the Dallas, Texas area, and she's the owner of Magnolia Speaks Speech Therapy Center. Lakeisha was very generous about sharing information um, about a lot of things, but the one thing that I think that you'll really take away from this interview is her strategy for building awareness about her private practice, because what she's doing is a very unique and will be extremely valuable to her in the long run. So with no further ado, I'd like you to meet Lakeisha. The very first question I have is if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, tell me your name and tell me the name of your private practice. My name is Lakeisha Fields and the name of my private practice is Magnolia Speaks Speech Therapy Center. I love it. And where are you located? I am located in the Midlothian area. Uh, which is Ellis County, which is a little bit outside of uh, Dallas, Texas. I love it. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So can you just start um, by telling me about your private practice? Well, Magnolia Speaks Speech Therapy Center is uh, a private practice where um, really we work with the pediatric population, but we provide not only direct speech therapy services, but we provide a lot of indirect services as well. And um, we've been established since 2014. And um, I really, what I like the most about um, the private practice in Magnolia Speaks is the indirect services that we're allowed to provide um, to the populations that we service. Now tell me what you mean by that indirect services. Well, what I've um, learned is that most of the population that I service is the pediatric to adult population, which is some of my patients are from like one all the way up to 21. 
and the majority of them have autism. Mm -hmm. And with that population, you really have to treat them holistically. So not only are we providing um, speech therapy, but we host mix and mingles for the parents so that they can connect with other parents and share ideas on um, really things that basically the parents are concerned about. But sometimes they don't want to really um, let others know. So we, we provide small environments and socials where they can gather and share um, experiences and maybe different things that have worked for their families. And it also it's really just kind of indirectly servicing the parents. And so that's what I mean by indirect services and also providing presentations to preschool service providers, um, Head Start service providers, and just really indirectly trying to figure out how can we all um, provide a space that allows um, these kids and adults with autism to really just get the quality opportunities that other people are getting. And sometimes they don't get it, so really um, that's what I mean by indirect. So. That sounds like you're just really providing um, a safe space. Oh, yes, a safe space. Yeah. And so, so I like that you're able to figure out how to help the parents, um, you know, meet each other, support each other, learn new strategies from each other. But that's also building a network of people who are getting to know you. Definitely, definitely, right? definitely. And what I've learned is that, you know, we always want to get more clients. We want more patients. We want more patients. But I've learned that if we really just focus on interacting, uh, really getting to know people and meeting them where they are, then, uh, oh, she's really trying to help me. Oh, you know, she's not really concerned only about me choosing her as the provider. She's really worried about my kid. And so, you know, it, it really can build trust and then once they see, oh, she's really trust, you know, they we can really trust them. Then they may refer you, and then down the line, you may even get, you know, more uh, clients. And it, it's a marketing strategy, but really, you know, you're just really trying to really connect with people and you know, build that trust with them. Well, and that kind of um, strategy, although it is a marketing strategy, doesn't, or I correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't feel like networky or like. Yeah. sleazy or like I'm trying to be slick and recruit people right yes yes <laughs> and I think people probably really genuinely respond to that right because when you help people um the, the natural instinct uh, you know this is uh, psychology is to help them back mm -hmm. right for sure so and even that can be uh like helping people find information right yes. or helping yeah. people uh connect with somebody else there's um, the principle of reciprocity says, if I do something for you, you're going to inherently want to do something for me. Right. Yes. And so that's, those are kind of ways that you can actually draw people toward you without being again, like slick or pushy or salesy or anything like that. Cause I know a lot of speech pathologists that I talk to in private practice get very nervous about um, being perceived as pushy. Yes, yes, that's always something that, you know, it's a battle of being too forward or, you know, too pushy and really just trying to, you know, find the balance between the two. So I understand that for sure. Yeah. So, okay. So do you, where do you see these clients? Well, um, most of the clients, I would go into their homes and work with them 
or um, recently I've kind of did a lot of transitioning and training uh, and changes in my practice. I actually had a space where I was seeing some of my patients mm -hmm. and um, now I'm in the process of trying to relaunch, really, um, really have figured out what I want um, as far as, uh, so I always tell people it's, seems as if I've gone backwards, <laughs> but now that I know exactly what I want, I have just really decided, okay, this is the population that I want to serve. Um, this is the specifics. Um, I prefer to have home-based services. So um, that's where I am now. And so in the past, I've seen some of my patients at their homes, but initially when I first started doing my private practice, um, I had one patient that I would see at mom, mom, mommy and me groups. Mm -hmm. So wherever she would be as far as uh, on play dates, I would go work with him because with him, he, he really needed help in the moment of interacting with other kids. You know, that's where he really needed the most help. And so I would go and work with him during different activities with the mommy and me play groups. And so just at different um, locations and kind of just go and help them uh, where they were. And which was awesome because um, when they would have events, I was able to do um, just group activities. Mm -hmm. And which was so awesome is that like years after that, that was in 2014, one of the patients, well, she wasn't my patient then, but she was just one of the friends of the patient that I was working with. The mom reached out to me last year and I, she's actually become a patient of mine. So mm -hmm. it's really awesome how, you know, when you're not really thinking about, oh, maybe later down the line, they may choose me as a provider. You know, you're just really just in there just to help. So, um, I've been in doing therapy in the homes, you know, different daycare locations. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I had a space and they were actually uh, seeing some of them in my uh, office mm -hmm. as well. So <clears throat> there's something that you said that I think is a really important point to make. You said that you feel like you're backtracking. Yes. Right. But you, you, then, then you also said that you feel like you found the population that you want to serve. Yes, right. Yes, so yes. tell me a little bit about how, how, how did you find the population that you wanted to serve and how do you know that it's the population you want to serve? Well, what I've noticed is that um, it's, it's the area that I'm passionate about. Like, I just feel like um, there's just so much more I want to learn about the area when it comes to autism, language delays, articulation, fluency. Those are all the areas that I'm really just, oh, I always wanted to know more how I can help them even, even better. And so um, I worked at an outpatient clinic for two years and the it was predominantly kids with autism. And I knew then, okay, it's challenging, but this is where I want to be. Um, this is the population that I really want to just really focus in on. Yeah. And so just really had the experience in the different settings, really kind of helped me figure out what I did want to do and what I really want to do. So yeah. I always think that sometimes having the experience in the different settings is good because you get to really see what you want and what you really don't want as far as, um, um, servicing and really just uh, knowing what you're passionate about. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when you start off, well, let me ask you, when you started your private practice, did you kind of see everybody? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> so there wasn't really a specific. Anybody just had a need. I wanted to help them. And so um, what I realized is that I wasn't really um, sometimes wasn't really providing the best service for those. And and I realized that with the pediatric and almost up to the population up to 21, that that was what really I was really passionate about. And even with, you know, doing CEUs, I just found myself, you know, doing more CEUs on, on autism, social communication, you know, more pragmatic skills. Um, and so that's how I just kind of figured out um, that's what I wanted to do. Well, I think that's important. I think that's also something that a lot of people do, right? In the beginning, because we all have big hearts, because we're, we're SLPs, right? And we're trained yeah. in all these things. Mm-hmm. And and we're also tend to be worried that like, if, if we say no to this person, like what if there's not a next person, right? And so yeah. we, ha- we kind of have to like, be like, oh gosh, we gotta, I mean, my first uh, client that I worked with also had autism. And um, I, I have treated kids and I used to treat more kids, but I'm pretty much squarely an adult neuro kind of a person. Mm-hmm. But my, so my first client was a kid with autism and and um, I did it and I think that I did an okay job, but it definitely wasn't like my passion, mm-hmm. right? And I think that it's a little scary to go from feeling like I'm just going to treat anybody who walks through my door to narrowing your niche. Mm-hmm. But once you're discovered and once you, I mean, you've done an amazing job, it sounds like, of networking and starting to develop a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. specifically within the autism population that rather than having this kind of like you know shotgun approach of like take everybody you actually are going to be able to capture more of the general population of, of people with autism right because yeah, yeah. because you're going to become known as the or the goal anyway your goal should be to become known as the go-to person for autism Yes, yes. Um, hopefully, that's why. That's what I'm hoping for is that just to just know that you know let the community know and also those who need help that you know that's basically where we are, who we, we're servicing, and you know just giving them all the information that they um, need and you know so that they can have you know quality life and also just you know have the opportunities that everybody else has. Because, um, you know, even in the communities, you know, um, kids with autism, some of them, the parents won't even take them to church because, you know, it's just the fact that there's so much um, overstimulation. Um, and sometimes that, uh, you know, leaders are not really aware of how um, that they can create that space to really just um, make it a little less overwhelming for the student or the kid, and so that the parents could feel more comfortable bringing them to different, um, you know, uh, places that uh, they wouldn't usually take them. Yeah. And so a lot of my information that I get comes from really just doing um, a survey month, survey monkey, mm-hmm. really just uh, doing surveys, sending them to the parents, and sending them to my face parents that are in my Facebook group and just trying to figure out, you know, what the need, what the need is, you know. Oh, um, tell me more about that. Tell me more about your, your Facebook group. So this is a Facebook group for parents of kids with autism? Well, actually, when we did our mix and mingles, uh-huh. um, and we created the, the network and group of parents who was meeting for, um, we had uh, three to four sessions. And 
um, some of those parents had filled out a, a survey and they said, well, I want to travel more with my kid with autism, but it's just too much, you know? <laughs> and so we started that uh, series off by having a parent um, who has a kid with autism really come in and speak and share her experiences about how, you know, some airlines will, you know, will help accommodate um, children with autism. And so just with them coming together, building a group, feeling that they can trust the people in that group. After that, we set up a Facebook group. And so now, you know, they can pretty much um, keep in touch, share information, um, which I've seen to be awesome because, like I said, they give us feedback and they let us know, you know, where the needs are and it helps us kind of set up more different types of community indirect um, programs that would help them and also help the families of the kids nice. with autism. Now, when you're talking about um, setting up some of these programs and whatever, are you charging for these things? Well, we do have a set fee um, for those programs, but um, really when we set up the programs, like with the mix and mingles, a lot of the funds are just to, you know, have um, refreshments for some of the parents. And what we try to do is get people to sponsor these programs because we know that uh, families with kids with autism, they already have so much to pay. Mm -hmm. And so we just try to provide um, people who can come in and speak on topics that they are really just um, interested in and want more information on when it comes to their kids. I think that so we, we charge a, a small fee, but um, we try to make sure that it's manageable because we know that, you know, these are parents who are paying for so much to make sure that their kids get what they need. What they need. Definitely. And so um, kind of in that same vein, do you, what do you, uh, are you private pay only? Do you do insurance? Do you do Medicaid? What do you, how, how well, are people paying for you? So I accept private pay, but I uh, also take commercial insurances. Mm -hmm. And so what I've learned is that it's just the mix. Um, I initially started out, my first patient was private pay. And then, you know, I was just like, oh, let me get all these. I need to get these commercial insurances. Let me become credential in these. And so I did a couple on my own. And then it just became so overwhelming that I had to get someone to help me get credential. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm pretty much credential with a few. Um, but I've learned with commercial insurances, um, you know, which I said, you know, I wanted to kind of do a relaunch. And that's because what I've learned is that I have to, you know, establish working capital. I had to sit back and do more saving, um, which I thought was, you know, set back and um, a failure. But I learned that, you know, that's just a part of being in private practice. You yes. know, you have to take risks and you learn from your risks. And so what I've learned is just to um, be more um, aware of the trainings that they have with commercial insurances because you learn so much and the provider relations rep representatives are really awesome. Once you really just kind of establish a relationship with them, they are really helpful in helping you figure out, you know, how to um, build and complete those claims and really get your money too. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I think that those, it, I think it's very healthy to, to try things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's part of stepping out of the safety net of a regular job as an SLP, 
right? Mm -hmm. If you are going to go into private practice, um, there are definitely some risks. And what you need to do, which is what, you know, it sounds like you're doing is to take calculated risks, right? Mm -hmm. And to, mm -hmm. and to constantly be kind of reassessing, right? So mm -hmm. you mentioned that you started off private pay and then you thought, no, I, I really also need to get credentialed, but with insurance companies in my area, you know, because maybe I'm going to be working with a population um, like kids with autism or other populations that, you know, um, are already paying a lot for a lot of other things. And so, you know, you're able to kind of pivot, right? Mm -hmm. um, I always say that there's no mistakes in private practice or mistakes are very learnable, right? Unless yeah. you, you make like a, a big mistake, which we should all uh, avoid doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like an ethical mistake or something like that. Don't, don't oh, do yeah, anything yeah. like that. But, you yeah. know, like little mistakes, like maybe not taking um, insurance right away or mm -hmm. um, thinking differently about the space that mm -hmm. you're in. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really healthy to every couple of months just recalibrate and see, well, where am I? And am I doing everything I can be doing to make this work for me? Because the whole point of being in private practice is to make it work for you, right? Because otherwise, go back to a regular job. Yes. And that's what I realized is that um, what do I really want is what I had to ask myself. I'm working a full-time job and working another full-time job with my private practice. So I had to go back to the table and say, what was my initial goal? You know, where do I want this to take me? And so really just writing down those goals and then, like you said, just reassessing, going back to the drawing board and knowing that when you go back to the drawing board, that's not a failure. It's just that you are constantly ensuring that you're on the right track and that, you know, you are meeting these small goals so you can make it to your initial big goal, you know. Right, because um, we're SLPs and we think yeah. of things that way, right? Short-term yeah. goals and long-term goals. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Sure. Uh, the way that you're really building your network and your, I guess I'll use the word notoriety in your area is by just being a really good person and a supportive person, knowing that the referrals, you know, and the, and the, and the money and whatever will come from these relationships. Thank you so much. Awesome. And, and, that, and it is okay, you know, and what I would tell other people is that steady progress and good quality progress is always good progress, you know. Um, because like you said, when you build relationships and you do a quality, good job, and, you know, that's just word of mouth all by itself. You know, it works itself, you know. It never, it never fails that, you know, um, opportunities will come. And just by working with the client, I remember I had one of the daycare directors to ask me to present, you know, and that was just her, I'm coming to her um, daycare facility and just working with uh, a client. And then, she said, oh, you know, maybe in August we, we need someone to present and, you know, just doing a good job and quality services. And, you know, like you said, it, it really goes far. And, and people see it too. Well, and saying yes to things, right? Because there's many yes. people who um, <laughs> who say, oh, will you present? And you're like, oh my God, I don't know about that. That sounds really scary. <laughs> it, was, it was probably was scary, but now that you've done it. So yeah. here's the thing with presenting too, especially at places like daycares. Once you have a presentation, 
You yes. can give that presentation at lots of different daycares. And of course yes. it's scary the first time you do it and maybe the second time, but once mm -hmm. you kind of get into a rhythm with that and then yes. you start to tweak your presentation a little bit, mm -hmm. then it gets more comfortable mm -hmm. and you only really have to, to prepare it once mm -hmm. and then you can deliver it, you know, as many yes. places as time allows. Mm -hmm. Right. So That's I think. Exciting. Uh, I'm really enjoying um, that aspect of it also as an indirect service is presenting and really just getting out there and, and you know, really creating, creating um, something that's mine and something that I can present and use again, like you say, and really create it. Um, so I'm excited about it. I love that. So um, what, what would you say your plans are for the next six to 12 months, right? You've mentioned a couple like recalibrations and figuring stuff out and what, you know, the couple months beforehand look like, what would you like the next couple months or even up to a year to look like for you? Well, I, um, May 29th is the relaunch date. And so I already have, um, somewhat of what people call a wait list and um, many of the parents are already just kind of waiting on me and that's pretty different from how I did it in the past and I'm excited I've already had training with the new insurances that I'm I'm a credential with so I, I feel more knowledgeable about mm -hmm. those insurances so I'm excited for May 29th to actually start working and um, just giving it my all full throttle and my goal is to at least um, 15 to 20 visits per week by August. I'm known for setting high goals, so it's a little low for me, but I said, well, it's better to go a little low and then you end up high. <laughs> so I'm excited about that, but uh, within a year, I hope to just be working out of my home office, um, working you know, from nine to three, direct services and maybe doing more presentations. I think that sounds incredible. And with the network that you've started to create attainable, right? Yes. If you already have a wait list, first of all, and then if you have um, a network of the parents and the Facebook group and, and whatever else, and um, I don't know how much time you've spent uh, with like pediatricians or you know, you've mentioned daycare providers and some of these other referral sources. I, I think that sounds totally doable mm -hmm. to be there by August. Yes. You're going to have to, to let me know. Oh, yes, for let sure. Let all of us know. Oh, yes, for sure. I, I'm um, really, really excited. I'm really excited. I think I'll definitely um, make that go and excited about it. Really excited. I, I think that's great. So um, is there anything that we haven't hit on yet that you feel like you really want to share with people? Either it's like a lesson that you've learned or another tip or something that you did that you um, like regretted and want a, a cautionary tale for other people not to do? Well, um, I think that actually writing everything down, sometimes we... Um, when you set something, you write it down, then it really becomes uh, a plan of action. Yeah. And what I've learned um, is that for me, that has really helped me to really uh, write everything down that I plan to do and then just uh, meet those short-term goals. Because sometimes when we want to do so much, 
-hmm. and we're not completing anything, <laughs> it's better for you to kind of scale down and really figure out, you know, what, you know, what I really want. And like I said, really write those goals down. And, it, and it's easier because, you know, you have a visual and, yes. and it helps you kind of get to where you want to be. So me, um, months ago, or even a year ago, um, that's what I would have told myself is just to kind of, you know, be more mindful, um, planning wise and writing those goals down will really help. I think that's fantastic. And having your right, having a visual, having something to look at, mm -hmm. having something that if you're, you know, you get home at the end of the day and you're like, okay, am I gonna just veg out on Netflix or <laughs> should I look at some of those survey monkey results mm -hmm. from the polls and figure out what to do with that information? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you could even do both, I suppose. But you know, yeah. I think it's really important to you're you're absolutely right. Having a goal that's that's you know measurable and attainable first mm -hmm. of all but that's actually written mm -hmm. where you can look at it is really really important right so you've got this may 29th is your launch date yes. right which is um we're not quite a month away but we're coming up on a month away from that at the time of this recording anyway mm -hmm. and then your date was there a, a, a date in august that you wanted your 15 clients by or just august well, it's just August by August. No specific date, but I know just by August is what I'm shooting for yeah. for that. And um, another thing I would like to say is just, you know, give yourself encouragement. You know, I, I, I'm really being on just affirming myself and that, you know, you know, it's okay to not want to just do business work all the time. We need to find a balance, you know, affirm, you can do this, you know, remind yourself why you're doing it. So just really having positive, you know, um, affirmations about why you're doing this and that you can do it because, hey, somebody else has done it too. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I am so, thank you so much for doing this interview. I cannot thank you enough for, sharing your story and sharing your journey. And, you know, I love to meet people from like all over the country. Um, so far, you're our first person representing Texas, which I'm very excited about. We already talked that um, you're from uh, Texas and Mississippi and I'm from Louisiana. So, uh, you know, Southerners unite. Um, but, I, <laughs> but I also like to see different kinds of practices, right? right? Mm -hmm. So I think that the information that you shared tonight Oh, also specifically your information about the value of networking yes. and about providing valuable resources for family members. Um, first of all, just because I can tell that you have a heart of gold, right? That's like the first thing. But secondarily, um, it is also about getting your name out there and about doing marketing, but in a way that is um, helpful first and so doesn't feel pushy or salesy or anything like that. Yes. yes. Love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I May 29th that. is your launch date. 15 clients yeah. by, by, uh, August. I can't August. wait. Yeah. I can't wait to check back in with you and see, <laughs> see how you've done with all that. Um, awesome. please stay um, in touch and yes. um yeah. thanks for having me on <laughs> of course of course thank you for being here i can't tell you how much um i appreciate your your time and your sharing your journey thank you so much thank you for listening to this episode of private practice success stories i hope that you were impressed inspired and are ready to take action <laughs>
Speaking of which, do you need help starting your private practice or taking it to the next level? Then join the Private Practice Solution. Inside of our exclusive members area, you'll discover fabulous time-saving resources that will help you be the successful private practitioner you've always wanted to be. There's also a vibrant community of smart clinicians working together to help more people while making more money. If you're looking for step-by-step -step resources, member discounts, and a supportive community of like-minded people, consider this your invitation to join us. So go ahead and sign up now at www.theprivatepracticesolution.com. See you in the members area. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.